Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Hey, you guys, before we get into the sermon today, I wanted to uh, bring up Julia and Lloyd Ekpo. And... uh, And uh, you guys are awesome. And uh, Julia is, has been now for all, almost six years uh, the elementary and families pastor for the church here. And she is uh, sadly stepping down. We, we love you. And, uh, but she is going to take a role with the seed company, which helps get the word of God to the nations. And uh, so it's a, a new assignment. But you guys are, we just want to honor you because you are pillars, have been in the church, and they will continue to be. And so we just want to, I just want to bring them up and honor them. Would y'all give them honor? Come in. Extend a hand. Extend a hand and we'll pray. Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus for my sister, Julia. What a great uh, friend and servant and just leader she is, Lord. And we pray, Lord, even as she goes into a new assignment, that she would be a blessing, Lord. She would be a uh, life-giving presence, uh, Holy Spirit-empowered presence that uh, just has a great impact on the seed company. We thank you for her. We thank you for Lloyd, these uh, pillars in the church, and we bless them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Love you guys. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, you guys, for honoring them so well, for honoring Julia. And, uh, you know, uh, Lloyd is an incredible, gifted servant leader himself. And uh, I think most of us, we can't do it without our spouses, whatever it is we're doing. So um, he's awesome as well. Before we jump into this today, you can open your Bible to John 1 if you want to get your Bibles open. I just wanted to, I I forgot to do this last week, but I want to give a little shout out to our, uh, to the, the podcast, The Politics of Jesus, which is a provocative title, isn't it? But um, so Jim Reynolds is a and I, I don't think he's, he's here this morning, but um, uh, hey, Jim and Donna. Uh, but, but we do this, the way we do sermons at Antioch is we have a sermon planning team. It's got usually five, six, seven, eight people on it. It's got from 80 down to about 25 in terms of ages and different uh, gender, gender, you know, male, female, and, and ethnicities. And, and it helps to have a broad perspective speaking into what's going on. Jesus is head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so the fullness doesn't happen when we're on our own by ourselves. The fullness, like a lot of why, if you think the sermons are good, whoever, it's me or somebody else speaking, there, it's, it's, it's better than I could do it by myself because there's other people. We get together, and it's like a high-fiving, chest-bumping, for the guys anyway. Uh, it, you know, at the end of that time, it's like, yes, you know, it's the Holy Spirit-empowered time where we're coming together to talk about all this stuff so that there's even more life when it gets imparted, you know, on a Sunday and then gets worked out in our life groups. I love 
Phil and Brenda, the way you just shared that, that's our desire. Like you're missing part of how you grow at Antioch if you're not in a life group working out what's the state of your soul concerning this truth? Whatever it is we're talking about, that's what we're working out week in and week out at Antioch. And so the politics of Jesus, then if you want a deeper dive, you'd be like, ah, Jamie didn't give us enough this morning. You can go deeper than with Jim. And that's what that whole podcast thing is about. We run, we've done that for a number of years now and run those things along parallel. And it's just a tremendous blessing to the body. So there you go. Uh, if you want to take a deeper dive, you can go a deeper dive with Jim. So uh, last week we kicked off a new series called Signs and Signposts. And we're looking at the seven signs in John as we're approaching Easter uh, time coming up in just a few weeks. And so last week we looked at the prologue. Anybody get a little bit more out of the prologue just looking at that last week? Uh, you'll keep getting more as you keep reading it. Read it, reread it. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you light and insight and understanding. And then we looked at the first sign, which was turning water to wine at a wedding at Cana of Galilee. And the thing we've been asking, and we want to keep asking today, is who is Jesus? Who is he? And what is he about? And then what are we to be about as we look and fix our eyes on Jesus? You know, and the point is, John tells us exactly why he's writing. The point is that we would believe in Jesus and have life in his name as a result of believing in him. So that's the call straight up every single week. I'm going to preach Jesus. You can count on it every single week because he is the one who reveals what God is like. You can't know God apart from Jesus. He is the word. And so we know God, we know the scriptures by looking through the lens of Jesus. And uh, today we're going to get to the second sign, which is the healing of the royal official's son. But what I realized is I, I just want us to keep staying in conversation with the prologue where it starts and then how that's getting unpacked and all of these signs and I am statements and all that kind of stuff. It's really rich. And I didn't say this last week, but I want to just touch on this right here is that uh, tradition through uh, Papias of Hierapolis and then through Jerome in the second century said that the bishops of Asia came together and asked John to write a gospel. Isn't that, isn't that wild? They wanted to fight some of the different Christological heresies that were happening in the late first century. People were starting to say that Jesus didn't, the Ebionites in particular, said that Jesus did not exist before his birth with Mary. And so that's, that's wrong. And so John comes along. So what he did was he said, okay, let's pray and fast about it. They prayed and fasted for a week, the bishops of Asia, along with John. And then John said, I'm supposed to do it. Isn't that great? You get some great results if you pray and fast about things you're supposed to do and then, and then do it in the power of God. But I mean, can you imagine, like this is what he came up with by the power of the Holy Spirit in the beginning. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Like, so uh, just dealing with this idea that Jesus didn't exist before his birth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, 
And that life was the light of all mankind. Wow. Wow. And he came down there in verse 12 to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision, but, or a husband's will, but born of God. And then down to verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son, which is something that's going to get brought out today. The one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Has made him known. That word, has made him known, is exegemi. It's where we get the English word exegesis. So Jesus, the one and only Son, the one who knows, who's in the heart of the Father, has exegeted the Father and God to us and made him known. Isn't that great? Ah, I just love it. It's rich. It's good. And everything that we're doing today is going to point to life, new life in a new house. That's what's going on here. So let's, we did the water to wine passage last week, and I was going to jump onto the second sign. I was like, there's no way. We can't just skip over all this other stuff. So put your seatbelts on. Let's, let's, let's look at some more. And may this encourage you to read it and reread it on your own as well. But let's, uh, let's stand up for this first reading. Uh, This is John 2, verses 13 through 25. Lord, bless the reading of your word. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, that's important, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting sitting at tables and exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple courts from uh, both sheep and cattle and scattered the coins of the money changers overturned their tables to those who sold doves he said get these out of here stop turning my father's house into a market his disciples remembered that it is written zeal for your house will consume me and the Jews responded to him what sign can you give us to show to show us to prove your authority to do all this and Jesus answered them destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it again in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And he was raised, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. And this is the word of God, and we say, thanks be to God. God. Y'all have a seat. Okay, wow. So there's a couple things there, just real quick here at the start, that are given new meaning in Jesus, right? So the Passover is pointing to the Exodus, and there's a longing in Israel to return from exile, even after the Babylonian captivity. And even though they're back in Jerusalem, they're still under the Romans and all of this, and there's the sense of they haven't returned, and there is a need for an Exodus into freedom, into life. And so Jesus is the new Passover. He is the new Exodus, and he's going to say all that. This is the new covenant in my blood later in the... the, uh, in the gospel and in the gospels. And then, but also, and here's the second thing I want us to get is that he's giving new meaning to the temple. 
destroy this temple and I will rebuild it again in three days. And it's after the resurrection that the disciples then understand what he was talking about. And so that's why so often around here we start with the resurrection. I'm just start preaching and say, you know, he's raised from the dead. The greatest apologetic ever is Jesus Christ raised from the dead. If you're struggling with your faith, Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And he is declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true king and Lord of the world. And that's the starting point for us. That's the starting point. Like he it turned his own disciples around. They re-understood everything through this revelation that he's raised from the dead. The son of God who died for the sins of the world. The lamb of God is raised from the dead. Wow. So, and what he's saying, what they understood then is that what he was talking about is real. Like he's building a new house. He's given us new life, but he's building a new house, a worldwide family of many little households all over, but it's the same house in Jesus who is the head of this house. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful that after he was raised, they understood, they believed. And it, this passage then moves from that place toward this next sign. And I want to keep pulling those threads through of new life and new house uh, through these different uh, pieces. And part of the, the tension here is that when Jesus encounters people, and I just I want us to get this, um, to, to own this with some humility, that when Jesus encounters people, it's, he doesn't just say what they already know. So when, when you're here in the Lord, he's not going to just say what you always already knew all the time. He's going to probably challenge you. Yeah. He, he may say some things that are outside of what you've experienced in the past. Um, because he wants to take us deeper into his shared love and communion with the Father. That's, 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 we're, we're children. Uh, yeah, that song we were singing this morning, I, I don't, I've maybe sung it once before, but I'm at the center of your love. I go, that's, everybody needs to hear that. I, I need to hear that today, that I am created. The ground of our very being as humans is the overflowing love of God. And you never get tired of hearing it. We, we, we need to hear it every day. And we get wonky. When we don't receive his love. And maybe not walking exactly like that, but in the spirit. It's just kind of wonky. You know, it's not, he made us to know his love and to be givers of it. And for that love to flow through us out to others. Holy Spirit, come. So, Lord, help us to see the surprise. You know, there's this, it, I was praying that going into world mandate. Lord, help us to see the surprise. The surprise. And the surprise for me was the heart. It was, my, it was my heart. I know it was a lot of you guys. And all the speakers all lined up. And they, we didn't talk about what we were going to talk about ahead of time. But they all hit the heart. It was on, it was on all the... Everybody's agenda was the heart. And the Lord, it was surprising. You know, I shared that last week. I wanted to run to the front at everything. You know, and I just like, I need to let 
college guys and, you know, and, and in that second of pause, you know, then it's, you know, people. But Jesus is crossing boundaries in these stories in order to reach hearts. That's what he does. You know, he crosses boundaries in order to, re- and people res- responding in different ways. You've got Nicodemus, you've got John the Baptist, you've got the Samaritan woman, you've got the, the, the people that she witnesses to, you've got the royal official, you've got his son, his household, all of that is beautiful. And what we learn as we see who Jesus is and what he cares about is who we are and what we should be caring about. Okay, so that's, that's where we're going with this. The main thing is this. God loves us. Um, that's the beginning of the gospel, right? God loves us. It's before creation, right? He loves us. He loves us. And he wants us to believe in Jesus and share his new life in his new house together. So that's, that's, what, that's what's going on here today. So let's look at these new life encounters with Jesus. First of all, Nicodemus there in chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read a few verses. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, that in Greek, that's amen, 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 amen. You know, and when you see that, that's Jesus saying, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. But how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely you can't enter a second time into your mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered again, amen, amen. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And so he's going to ask him again, how how does this work? And Jesus is going to tell him, I'm speaking to you about earthly things and you don't understand. How can I take it to the next level and talk to you about heavenly things? The things I know that I'm revealing right in and through my life right now. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent so that the Israelites could be healed in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that mankind, so that humans can be healed of our brokenness and sin that just destroys lives and lives around us. And I remember, I had a friend years ago um, that just, I was sharing this back here in prayer in the green room and what do, oh, yeah, I found out. The green room started with uh, that phrase. Somebody looked it up on the internet. And it started, why do we call that the green room? And it has something to do with the Globe Theater with Shakespeare. Okay, now I'm back into the sermon again. And so, <laughs> it's random. Um, so, uh, so uh, um, yeah, this friend, he said, and he could be really strong about different things, but I, I remember John 3, 8 for 20-something years since then. And he said, I'm telling you, John 3, 8 is the most important verse in the Bible for a Christian. I was like, whoa, John 3. I, I mean, I knew it was like Nicodemus or something, but I couldn't just 
pull it up in the I can now because of this thing that happened all those years ago. But he says, you know, it's, it's about the moving of the Spirit. And like a tree that moves in the wind, so it is with everyone that's born of God. We are led by the Spirit. We move with the Spirit. And that's what he's saying to Nicodemus. You don't, you don't get this? You've got to be born again into this life where we are moved by the Spirit of the living God. You know, that's what's going on here. You know, it's not just a bunch of people have some common interest or something. It's the Spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit is here with us right now, here in this moment. So born again, you've got to be born again from above, trusting in Jesus, being trees that are moved in the wind. And then he goes on and says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his one and only son. There it is from the prologue, right? That whoever believes in him, believing, putting our faith in him, being born again, not of a, a husband's decision, but of God, of the Father's will, believes in him, shall not be perish, but have life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so that is all just beautiful. And he goes on, he's going to say, God's calling us out of darkness and into light. And praise God, Jesus is with us. He came into our darkness, into our pain, and he, is, he will help us walk out of darkness into light. In all the different ways that that needs to happen, in all the different situations that are in this room. And there's all different kinds of things yeah. and scenarios where we need the Lord. We need his light to walk out of the situation that we're in or that we, we, we need help in. And so who is Jesus? He's the one and only son who describes the way of the spirit to us and living life in the spirit. And he's the one who's building a new house. And even as he's talking to the leader who's kind of over the house as it's understood of the day, and that guy doesn't, Nicodemus doesn't get it. I think Nicodemus probably comes along. You see him later in the gospel, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, he seems kind of on the edge, you know, outside, inside, outside, inside. And um, so tremendous uh, encounter there with Nicodemus that probably wasn't what Nicodemus was thinking was going to happen. The second one, new life encounter is with John the Baptist. So John's disciples are going, hey, that guy that you pointed and said, he's the Lamb of God. Now suddenly they're baptizing more than us. They're baptizing more people, and everybody's going over to him. And what does John say? In John 3, verse 27, to this reply, John replied, a person can only receive what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. I want to just pause there a minute, because uh, Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in The Chosen, I saw this thing on the March for Life this deal uh, in, in Washington, D.C., and go watch that if you get a chance. Jonathan Rumi, March for Life, and right at the beginning, and he's, he's popular, right, as this person who plays Jesus, and people were kind of cheering and that kind of stuff, and he said, first of all, let me say, I am not the Messiah. He is. I am not him. I play him on a TV show. He is the Messiah. He is the one, you know, and I, so... John the Baptist here, just made me think of that. I'm not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. 
The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. Isn't that powerful? So the the idea here is that there's an encounter with John the Baptist, and it's not going exactly like he thought, maybe in some different ways. And he even asks at one point, are you the one? I mean, I think you're the one, but are you the one? This is, this is different than what I thought. And we know that there's lots of different ideas about what Messiah was going to do when he came. But what John is doing is he's helping the bride get to the bridegroom. And what happens when you have a new bride and a, new, and a, and a, bride, and a bridegroom is a new house. You know, they, there's a new house there. And that's, John is even taking some of his disciples and they become the first new disciples in the new house. They become the first part of the bride. And it's really beautiful. So who is Jesus here in this scene? He's the bridegroom. He is coming for a bride. He is the lover of our souls. He is all about life and love and the joy that comes in experiencing those things. You know, the way that passage ends, the father loves the son and reveals everything to him. Whoever believes in him has life. So believing in Jesus is that that's, that's the way of life. And that's the way of love. That's what we get brought into is the revelation of how much God loves us and he created us in love. And there's joy in that. But he finishes that and he says, but whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. And I, I just want to say that like being... When we do stuff and when we are negating life, love, and joy that's found in Jesus, there's wrath there from God. Not like he's like out of control. He's just saying no to all of our junk and stuff. No, I'm not going to let you just keep doing that. No, that's the no of the incarnation and the cross and the resurrection. That's what Jesus came to do and to make right. And so when we are negating life and love and joy, that's not the way of Jesus. So let's be for, let's believe. Believe in Jesus and in his name and in the life and love and joy that he brings. So that next conversation then is with the Samaritan woman. And so Jesus is going through Samaria crossing a boundary there, crosses a boundary and talking with this woman, asks her for a drink. She says, you, you know, she says uh, t- uh, to him, uh, he says to her, uh, I should have read it by how long it's take, time it's taken me. I'm trying to save some time. Um, but but uh, he, she says, you don't have a jar to withdraw water, but I want to give you living water. And in verse, uh, uh, sir, you, you have nothing to draw from. Are you greater than our father? And Jesus answered her in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so she goes on and says, sir, give me this water so that I can have it. And she, then Jesus says, go and call your husband. It's prophetic, uh, whatever word of knowledge go call your husband. I have no husband. You're right in saying that you have no husband. You've had five, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. 
So there's a lot of brokenness there. And she kind of changes the subject pretty quickly and said, well, the Samaritans say we've got to worship on this mountain. You Jews say that you worship on that mountain there in Jerusalem. What is it? And Jesus answered her, and I want to pick it up right there in verse 21. Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And so he's bringing living water and having this conversation with her that goes a different direction than what she thinks. And then she goes out. He's the Messiah who's bringing this good news. She goes out and shares with joy the one she's just met. I just met the Messiah. I've just met him. And, and, and lots of people start coming. And verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world, which is just, which is just amazing. When you think about how she's leading all these people to the Lord, does she ever act cleaned up or all the, doesn't seem like it. But she's experienced life. She believes in him. She knows him. And life is then spreading in and through her, even though she doesn't have it all together. Is that good news for somebody? It's good news for me. The good news can spread through me, even though I don't have it all together. You know, the good news can spread through me, even when I'm disappointed from the, in the, the space between what I see and where I'm at. But praise God for grace. Praise God that he's not done with me. And praise God he's not done with you. Thank you, Lord. So who is he? He's the one who shares the living water with the world. He is the Messiah that brings us together in one worldwide multi-ethnic family called the church. Jew, Gentile together. It's just beautiful. Oh, it's, it's just incredible. Uh, the house. Uh, that crosses boundaries. This house crosses boundaries. That's, what, that's what's going on there with the Samaritan woman. And even then with the official son, that next encounter there, verse 43, after two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he'd done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Once, but he's not trusting them like he knows, you know. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. 
The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. And this was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. So he heals the wounded. He brings life to a house that looks like death is on the way. And he crosses boundaries. I don't, you know, the royal official. So he's working in the household. It does something in the household of, of Herod and Antipas. So is he Roman? He could be Roman. He could be, he's at least in league with the Romans who are over Herod Antipas. And so uh, it, it just feels like it's another boundary. Like that his word, the word being spoken, the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he says it, speaks it, and it's done. It, and, and the guy believes. And what's powerful about that to me is that it results in a believing household. Who is he? He's the word, and he's the healer of humanity. And there's a radical emphasis here on Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, who brings new life into this new house. That, that's a little bit about who he is and what he's doing. Now let's just, let's wrap this up today by talking about, and this isn't time to get ready. <laughs> I, I, I want to wrap up, but do it. Uh, oh, Lord, change us. Lord, have your way in us. Lord, how are we to be and to live signpost lives as we see the sign pointing to Jesus? What's our life supposed to look like? We're a signpost. We're supposed to be signposts ourselves. And so the first thing there is believe in Jesus. That's the point of the gospel. He's been saying it over. Put your trust in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Experience this life. Even with all of our imperfections, it's not about your perfections and you getting it figured out. It's about believing and trusting in him who is the giver of life. And Christ in you, you guys, is the hope of glory. It's the hope of all that should be happening and we want to see happening happen. We have a new source of life altogether and it's from heaven through Jesus and the power of the spirit. So that's the first thing. Second thing. Live life in the Spirit together. Live life in the Spirit together. That's why we're here today. We cannot do this alone. Lord, show us the way. Uh, it's God's presence. I was talking with Jim on uh, Jim Reynolds on, on Thursday, and we were talking about the sermon planning and why there's so much life there. He said, Jamie, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in our midst. It's why we're so encouraged when we get together. You know, there's, an, uh, there's a revival going on in Kentucky right now, Asbury uh, College. There was one that happened in 1970, and now there's another one. It just, it just kind of keeps going. And you know, I've watched some of the, the, the video feeds that are happening. I just had chills, and I was like, this is the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit that's at work in God's people, stirring, renewing, uh, stirring up fresh desires of holiness and life and love. And, you know, so... Uh, when we come together like this, this is not just something we do. 
It's not, it's, it's more than, um, you know, uh, did, did Jamie bring a good message today? 7.2, 6.1, 9.3, really good one today. Nailed that, nailed that finish. You know, or, and like, it's way more than this. And I'm so, you know, since, uh, you know, the pandemic, you know, we started doing videos, hey everybody. And, um, but, but when we, we all have to do, we have to miss from time to time, but I'm telling you and everybody that's watching, it's not the same doing that as it is being here together and, and, and hearing and seeing and being, you know, as we sing, great are you Lord, it's your breath and I'm listening. I just stopped singing. I'm listening to the congregation, us being one and our, we can't occupy the exact same space like God and penetrate one another but we can like when we're singing like that there's a oneness that's beautiful it's wonderful it's powerful and so that next thing there is what should we be doing inside signpost people is we should be overflowing with living water like and it's like uh just Blake's illustration at World Mandate of the hose coming into the bucket. It can have dirt in there, some poison in there or something, but you leave it in there long enough, flowing, 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 and all that stuff starts flowing out. And what's in there is living water. And that's us personally in our own hearts that, that we want, I want to be plugged in. I want, to, I want that living water flowing in me, looking to Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, come overflow me. Get the poison, get the junk out of there. Get that stuff that doesn't need to be in my heart. Get it out. Fill me up. And it's not just me personally. It's not just you personally. It's us corporately. When we come together, it's like there's living water flowing in our midst and it's doing something in us as a people together and he's filling us, he's renewing us and it's not just talking and it's not just singing and it's not just pray. It's, it's all of that together and he's filling and, 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 and getting that unforgiveness out of there. He's filling us and getting those judgments out of there so that we can live in faith and love each other. Am I preaching yet? It's the Holy Spirit filling and renewing and, and helping us. And the enemy so wants, he, he wants he's going to lie, he's going to kill, and he's going to destroy. And Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. So the enemy's coming to try to isolate, get you over here in the corner, get you in a dark place where you can't see. And God's wanting to bring us together to experience new life in his new house together. That is the word of the Lord. He, the enemy wants to rob life, love, and joy. Lots of other stuff too, but since we're talking about those today, life, love, and joy. The next one there is worship in the spirit and in truth. How are we to live signpost lives? Worship in spirit and truth. Not from the outside in. Was the, how did, the, how did, did Aaron pick the right songs today? Um, it was, a, was a mix good today, but rather from the inside out, like down in here in our inner man, worshiping from the Holy Spirit's power right on out into our lives, right on out into reality, spirit and reality. Okay. So you might not be a real demonstrative person, but you're worshiping still from, even if you're sitting down, it's like, Lord, 
like, how does that get real for you from the inside out? You know, when we started all those years ago, I was like, I want to do worship like I'm seeing the Bible, you know, and that involved instruments. I'm coming from Church of Christ, acapella, and so that, that was like, I want to, I want to do the cymbal and, and strike up the lyre. Um, you know, but all the other stuff, the, the stuff, you know, the standing, falling, kneeling, clapping, shouting, hallelujah, all that stuff that's there, like from the ins- and you don't have to do any of that, but there's freedom to do that. Experiment. I want, I'm experimenting at my house. I was just running around praising and singing, singing in the spirit, singing thank yous. She was gone. That'd be, <laughs> <it'd> be weird. <laughs> Lord, I love you, Jesus. And she'd be like, hey, I'm trying to do some stuff too. Um, <laughs> but she was gone and I just, I was experimenting and singing in the spirit and praying. And then I had a breakthrough on the other side of that with something that was disconnected with this message. And it's just, isn't that great? So practice when you're by yourself. And then when you come in here, practice here as well. Just try something new. Follow the Lord. Just, you know, a lot of times I'll kneel or, you know, lay prostrate sometimes. It's usually, I'm usually trying to follow the Lord when I do that. I don't like doing that a bunch here. But every now and then it's like, lay all the way down. Completely submit yourself. Surrender. Get all the way down. And so just worship in the spirit and in truth. Then, then signpost people testify. They point to Jesus. They witness to Jesus. That's what the woman did. She's witnessing. She's sharing. And then those other people are saying, no, now we've, it's not just you pointing us. Now we've heard him ourselves. And, and we believe because of what we've heard ourselves. And so we want to be a people that are filled with his light and love and life and joy. And then we go share in all of our spheres of influence, which that last one then is an important sphere of influence. How are we to live signpost lives? Fathers, believe and touch your whole house. Believe and touch your whole house. When fathers believe, you will touch your whole house. And the point there is, whatever your sphere is, that's a sphere of influence, but, but believe, you know, at, in your workplace, or believe in your workplace. Believe in just, and, and we will touch the sphere. And it's not just fathers believing and touching the whole house. Like, Dan, like, what a cool testimony this morning. Danny's faith and Jordan's faith touching Phil and Brenda. You know, it works both ways. All of our interconnected relationships, God made it that way. He's the relational God of love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, we, are, we are a network of networks of networks. And when we use that influence in life to bring heaven, and we can bring hell or heaven. That's what human beings do. And so we want to bring heaven, right? We want to bring heaven. We want to be a light a sign that points to Jesus in all that we do, all that we're about. We want to experience new life in the new house. And let's do it today. Let's respond. Y'all stand up. Ministry team, come on up. Worship team, let's just take a few minutes. I, I just want to say there's a lot of practicals there. There's practicals on this stuff every week. Even if we just prayed, like, just this might be you. 
pray to see more of Jesus. Like, I want more of Jesus in my life. More of his love, more of his life, more of his joy. That's a great starting place. And um, it might be what you really need to pray is, Lord, fill me up. With your Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Come, Holy Spirit. And just get somebody to pray with you and pray that prayer with you. Or pray right out there and pray that prayer. That's a great prayer for us. Fill us up. I want to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We want to be more sensitive. Holy Spirit, lead us. Holy Spirit, have your way. Come and take over. Is how we were singing it last week. And it might be, I don't know, it just might be something about worship or witnessing. It might be something about your household. But we, I mean, there's, a, there's something here for everybody. And let's press into the Lord together for a few minutes. Father, lead us. If you have any other kind of prayer need, don't, please don't leave without getting somebody to, to pray. God answers prayer. He, and just let's pray. Let's minister to one another here for a bit. We love you, Lord. Lead us. Come, Holy Spirit, in power. Lead us.